second lesson comes from the letter to the Roman church, chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Invite now our Ignite team up to help us and start a reflection on this word. Please be seated. My prayer life uh, is vibrant and active daily. I like to commune with God at night. I get under those nice warm covers and I kiss my cat goodnight. And then it's just me lying in bed, talking to God, telling him everything. Oh, it makes me sleepy just thinking about it. It's just me laying in bed, laying out all my problems to God and Him hearing me. Sorry, where was I? The efficiency of one's prayers are directly congruent to the position of one's body. Therefore, the leg should be saying, God help me. Amen. Sometimes me and God do not talk, and that is not God's fault, that is mine. So when I do try and talk to God, I want to impress Him. Give Him a show. Show Him how much I really love Him. So excuse me, will you, as I pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, beseech me not unto Thee. How now, brown cow, oh, thy soul so dry. If I could just catch a morsel of who you really are. So verily, merrily down the stream. I just want to be used by you, God. I want to be salt and light, and light and salt, and sight and malt, and peppers, and oregano, and pepperoni, and, and black olives, and those little. When I get my prayers on, there's something I like to keep in mind. I think it's like totally awesome that God is like Santa Claus, and he wants to give you the things you want. So, therefore, you need to keep a list. My list currently has 745 prayer requests on it. So, when I go to God in prayer, it goes a little something like this. Let's see. The top thing on my list is my sisters. So I'll pray for them now. Dear Heavenly Father, I lift up these sisters of mine. And, although I know I'm called to respect them, and I give them all due respect... There is an issue of something they truly need, and that is to stop a yapping. Lord, they yap, and they yap, and they yap, and they don't know how to stop yapping. So could you please just, like, make them mute just for one day, nothing permanent, don't hurt them, just make them mute. Take your big God remote and press mute on their channel. That would be great. Henceforth, I will go on and pray for all 744 things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, you are more real than anything this world has to offer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And I can't wait for you to come back and get us, but until that time comes, would you just help me live my life day after day as if I was walking hand in hand with you? And give us this day our daily bread. God, I have a lot of needs. I also have a lot of wants. Sometimes I get those things confused. Help me to trust in you, to meet my needs, 
and to be thankful when you give me those things that I just want. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, I've blown it so many times today. Help me to trust in you. Help me to... God, I've blown it so many times today. Thank you for your forgiveness. I don't take it for granted. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, as I start this day out, I'm reminded that this world has so many spiritual problems. Help me to live in such a way that I won't stumble so much. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God, and may everything I do honor and glorify you, and may my life be a life of worship to you. Thank you, Ignite. Well done. Prayer is indeed a wonderful gift and a fundamental part of our relationship with God. Many of us, as we watch that, may be thinking, I can relate to the different characters depicted in this skit in our own lives and in our own prayer life. While these characters are purposely meant to be humorous takes on the different postures we may find ourselves in when we pray. They do still ring true, don't they? How many times have I prayed for God's will to be done, but I'm really praying for mine to be done? Or praying for an outcome of a situation, look what I think is best. Or to think that the power of prayer is somehow congruent to my performance. So let us set aside this time in God's word to reflect and praise him for not only the means of grace that is prayer, but by the fact that we can rejoice even when we cry out in pain. At this time of the year, we tend to reflect on what we're thankful for, what means the most to us, and what challenges us to be content. We may also reflect on those that we have lost along the way. This is certainly understandable and normal for this time of the year. Reflection, especially as Christ followers, can be a healthy practice for sure. It can help us evaluate what our attention is on, or even what we idolize and truly worship in our day-to-day lives. What has been the focus of our lives over the previous and precious time of the past year? So whether you feel positive or negative about your current circumstances or the past year, when we reflect on what the Apostle Paul was led to address here, it seems simple. But it is, in fact, incredibly important for our lives. The passages that we are focusing on this evening are both attributed with Apostle Paul during significant times in his life, though they're most likely separated by several years. In one, the letter to Thessalonica, Paul was instructing, imploring, and encouraging a congregation that was dealing with both physical and spiritual persecution. As a result, Paul and his colleagues were physically separated from the church that they were serving. So this leads Paul to address their current concerns and fears. And in Romans, specifically in chapter 7, Paul is examining the law and the way it carries 
making the important distinction that the law illuminates the need for redemption. And this may seem out of place as we're talking about thanksgiving. But let's see for a moment where Paul is going with this. Paul continues and rounds out the chapter by saying, with a cry, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this life controlled by the body? Then, as Paul tends to do, he answers his own question. He says, thanks be unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord is my deliverance. And through this, we can see both sides of what Paul is talking about here. Crying out to God with one breath. And then in the very next breath, rejoicing. This tonight, that tension is where we find ourselves in thanksgiving despite our suffering. Grateful even during weakness and pain. Being thankful and as we read, to rejoice always. How often do you feel like rejoicing? Much less to rejoice always. On that first day of work, when your alarm clock goes off way too early. When your family is sick or going through a tough time. When work has been significantly challenging. When you feel that you've been hit with one thing after another. We've all had those days. Let's be honest, sometimes those days are stretched to weeks, months, or even years. Even more challenging, when we desire to be better, to do better, but we simply come up short. In Romans 8.28, Paul rests with this tension, this adversarial stance we have within ourselves and in our lives of what we struggle with and where we want to be. And while, yes, we should take comfort in this verse, and we'll get there, we have to know that this is much bigger than us. This text says that all things come from God. The good and the bad all come from our Creator. This is not to say that God directly causes bad things to happen, but rather allows them to take place. This is rather important to grasp, because many have used this verse in the wrong way. So it's important to grasp that because we have to know that if God just whisked away everything that caused us to suffer, it would also take away the choice that he has given us through love to choose to follow him. With freedom of thought, we have a choice. And history has shown us that we rebel against what God has shown us is good. But in contrast, this text explains that God uses all situations for good according to his purpose. The good and the bad. All used for the good that is determined by God. The hard times in our life give clarity that in fact God is still with us. That we can grasp onto his strength when we are weak. See, we have a reason to rejoice. All right, good night. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. No, not yet? Okay, we'll keep going. There's a very important distinction to be made here. God will surely use all situations to bring us in line with his will. Because in doing so, we actually receive his grace. But these situations are not just in joyful moments. 
They also include the situations that grieve God and us. And this we may ask, God, what is the purpose in the pain? Pain surely does not come from God. It is not good when a loved one passes. This is evident in that God took death so seriously, he sent Jesus Christ to deal with sin and death personally. But we know also that God can and will use even the most heartbreaking moments in our lives to move towards good. The moments that test us, as well as the moments that break us. You've heard that phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle. And most of us will tell you that is simply not true, as well as not in scripture. You know those moments that linger and bring pain when we remember them. The pain that doesn't fade easily or quickly. Grief and loss probably come to mind for many of us. It's vitally important to remember that God does not force these situations nor hope them upon us. But I want to reassure you, he will surely show his faithfulness through these situations to you. Admittedly, it can be near impossible for us to see sometimes when we are living in those situations, but that doesn't make it any less true. So what does this text mean for us here, now, and today? By all things for good according to God's purpose. It means that even a life filled full of suffering and pain, we still have hope. We still have something we can cling to that is bigger than us. And God will use those times that we are weakest to remind us and give clarity that he has not left us. That those covenants and promises that he made have in fact been upheld. And that he indeed has a plan as well as a purpose for each of us. We must remember to not limit God because of our limited sight. God doesn't waste anything. The good and the bad. God uses both. To refine us. To strengthen our resolve in him. To help us develop real trusting faith. And to align us with his good purpose. Of course, we have Jesus Christ, who defeated sin and death on our behalf to reconcile us back into a relationship with our loving God for all eternity. So let's take that and let's circle back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I don't know about you, but I don't always wake up and feel this way. I regrettably do not always give thanks in all circumstances. Nor do I always rejoice. But this is not about how we feel. This is not about doing this when we are ready to. This is not a simple statement of encouragement. To do your best... This is a statement of fact. And this fact is as true today as when God first set down the first covenants with his people. God is big enough to use even the ugly things of this world and in our lives for the good, despite us not understanding how or why. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There are three things in these verses that we should mold our lives to this Thanksgiving season and beyond. The first is found in verse 16. Rejoice always. This can be difficult because we don't always feel like rejoicing. When we look at that empty chair at the table this Thanksgiving, it's going to be very difficult to rejoice. We think about all the crazy stuff that has happened in our world over the last several years. It can be difficult to rejoice. Yet Paul encouraged the church at Thessalonica and the church in Rome to rejoice. And to rejoice always. He knew this very well in his own life as he wrote and encouraged others, many of whom the Holy Spirit reached through his work while he was imprisoned. Many of the people in this community were under the impression that Jesus was going to return soon. And they were confused why it hadn't happened yet. In fact, their confusion actually turned to mourning as their family members began to die. Because they thought Jesus would return so soon. So let's take a moment and think about how demoralizing that was for them. But still, the people were encouraged to rejoice always because of the hope we find in Christ Jesus. For a bit more context on this passage, let's look at the previous chapter in 1 Thessalonians. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-14. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. They may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And so although we are not the original audience of this letter, the words rejoice always mean the same thing to this group of believers in 50 AD as they mean for us today. The second thing the word calls us is is found in verse 17. Pray continually or pray without ceasing. We see being communicated to these early Christians all those centuries ago and to us today is to approach life prayerfully in all situations. Real quick, I want each of us to just take a moment and ask ourselves these questions. Are we modeling a life of prayer in our lives? For our siblings, for our spouses, for our children, our friends, our coworkers, our friends who are new believers, or those who have yet to come to Christ, are we modeling a life of prayer? Again, rejoice in all things and pray in all situations. But why? Why is this significant? As theologian N.T. Wright wrote, we stand in the darkness and hold on to the love of God in the middle of the groaning of all creation so that God may be all in all. And we will look back in our amazement that our work of prayer was somehow by God's grace included in what God was already doing in his wider purposes. See, in these verses from Romans, there is an interesting Greek word used in this passage. It encompasses that phrase, work together. The word, synergio, which means to work together, to cooperate, to absolve together for a result. This is significant in that God does this with us and not just for us. 
Of course, it is all done through his power and through his will. But we are invited through prayer to participate in the good God is working in this world. Our participation in God's working of all things to good is through our prayers. The final piece in this verse is that we see in 1 Thessalonians is give thanks in all situations. But how can you give thanks in all situations? How can you give thanks in a situation that you prayed and hoped for wouldn't happen? Why would you want to even give thanks in those situations? Maybe you're a very optimistic person and you can work your way into finding the bright side or the silver lining. But for many of us, we find this to be extremely difficult and draining. So what is this text getting at? Look back at verse 18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances or in all things, give thanks. It uses the word in, not the word for. The text is not saying to be thankful for all the ways you suffer. What is it saying? What it is saying is that when bad things happen, when bad circumstances are on us, be thankful that God is with you. We know that God has not abandoned us. During those bad times, be thankful for the presence of God and for the good that can come from these difficult times. Paul writes something similar to the church in Rome to encourage them as we read earlier in Romans 8.28. God doesn't cause bad things to happen. They are a natural progression of the sin in our world. But God, in his goodness and mercy, teaches us through these bad situations. He reinforces our faith with his faithfulness. This church in Thessalonica and the church in Rome had people facing very real persecution. In this text and in these desperate times that people were facing, they were being reminded to continue believing in God, to continue holding on to that hope and relying on God's faithfulness. We know that the people were certainly suffering. But this text uses a strong word to describe the love found in this text. Agapua, which means, of course, to love, but additionally it means to be faithful towards, to set upon, and to listen to this, to delight in. We are to delight in the Lord, no matter our circumstances. The point Paul was trying to communicate to this church, and is the same thing that we can learn today, is that our circumstances do not define God, but rather God puts perspective into our circumstances because he is so much larger than any circumstance we can face. That perspective is that the Bible presents a single connected story, God's redemption of his creation. And at the center of that, throughout scripture, the leading character and hero throughout is the one true living God made known through Jesus Christ who came to be with us and saved us through his sacrifice on the cross. And so, our only appropriate response should be praise. I wanted to share this from 1517 contributor John Mambaro. He wrote on Romans 8, four times the question is asked, and each time the answer is resounding, who is against us? No one. God, after all, has given us his son and will give us all things with him. Who will bring a charge against us? No one. God himself has justified us. He has already declared us to be in the right and holy in his sight. 
Who will condemn us? No one. Jesus died, was raised, and exalted and intercedes for us even now. Who shall separate us from his love? No one. Many will try. The unbelieving world, the accuser, and even guilt-plagued conscience will attempt this parting. But the note of victory sounds out loud and true. Indeed, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. This irrefutable victory has already been had on your behalf. This is what we believe in and what we are thankful for. This level of thankfulness separates the believer from the lost, even though non-believers will still admit that they're thankful for the things they perceive as good. But it takes true faith in God to be thankful for things in which we see no good. When we are truly able to give all of our thanks to God, when we give up our entire offering of thanksgiving, when we give thanks to God for all the amazing things in this life, when we give true thanks to God for the difficult things in our life because our faith is being tested and growing, our trust in God is being tested and growing, and our beliefs in the fact God is all good like Scripture tells us, that is when we will find the true peace in which God promised us through his love. We are to be thankful because Christ suffered first. Christ, of course, knows what it means to suffer. He was tortured, humiliated, beaten, and crucified for you and I. When difficult situations come our way, and in them, we remember what Jesus went through. And when we do this, we will begin to understand the resurrection in a much clearer way. We will be able to live a life in response to what Jesus did. We will be able to see him clear. We will be able to rejoice in Jesus and how he, we handle tough situations because we have a changed perspective. And if this is the case, then yes, I am going to be thankful for the hard times. When we understand the true meaning of thankfulness, We are thankful for what God has done for us and in our lives. And then our eyes begin to open. So, I mentioned earlier, in your bulletins there's a glow stick. I'd like everybody to take out their glow stick really quick. So this is a rather old school youth group illustration, but it works well. So you guys can go ahead and break your sticks, shake them up. Okay? In order for a glow stick to be used for its true purpose, what has to happen? It has to be broken, shaken up. It has to be changed. For us to be truly thankful and experience God's true peace, we have to be broken first in order to shine. So are you thankful just for the good things in your life? Or are you also thankful for the difficult things? True thanksgiving is to be able to answer yes to both of those questions. Thanksgiving is showing gratitude toward God for everything, the good and the bad, and all that that brings. Learning to be thankful in all situations is a process. You might not be thankful right away, but as time goes on and as you turn to the Lord in tough times... He will walk you through and begin to heal the pain and turn into thanksgiving because it's both in the good and the bad in which God uses to make the person you are today. 
you are also not alone in your suffering. As the church, we walk alongside one another, bolstering each other through the Spirit, together rejoicing in our Savior, Jesus. That is true thanksgiving. We should give thanks because we have a God who redefines our circumstances. Not to erase the things that have happened, but rather to have a new life in Christ and a new perspective as a result. God chose out of love not to leave us in our rebellion, in our sin, and in the death that goes with it. He chose to redeem us and renew that grace every single day of our lives. The law that the Apostle Paul references shows us that we are lost and deserving of the price of our sin. But as he reassured the people who were suffering in Thessalonica and in Rome, they were not alone. And their faith in God was not misplaced. They had something to be thankful for, no matter the circumstances that they were facing. So this Thanksgiving, let us remember how great our God is. Remember how great his love is for you. And when you feel broken, disheartened, or feel lost, remember that God has called you to a good purpose that far outweighs the suffering. This purpose is to accept what is already there. God's love for you. So that those of us who are united with Christ in faith and are being transformed into the church that will share this good news and thanksgiving with all. This continued presence, continued work by God in us and through us, despite our circumstances, is something we can be truly thankful for. So as we end this evening and go out from this place and as we encounter the days ahead, Let's do so in the spirit of rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks for the faithfulness, love, and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.